welcome to Movie Film Studios, a uh, movie podcast where we uh, unravel and then re-ravel the best that Hollywood has to offer. I'm Isaac. And I'm AJ. And uh, this week we're looking at the new Pirates of the Caribbean film. Yes, dead men tell no fairy tales yes. about stuff. We're actually in a bit of a, a sweet spot at the moment. We decided that, I think last week we talked about potentially doing Valerian, City of a Thousand Stars, Galaxy City Stars, yep. or uh, Dawn of the War of the Planet of the Apes. That's the one. Um, they're still out at the movies at the moment. And, yes. and what we've found is that uh, the necessity for us to, mm -hmm. uh, to pause films and talk <laughs> about them uh, all the way through has meant that it's much easier for us to get the, uh, the Blu-ray releases. Yes. It also works really well for a, um, a timing perspective because if you haven't seen a film by the time that it's come out on blu-ray or dvd mm. then i think that's the uh, the statute of limitations for spoilers yes so um what we'll, what we'll be doing i think for the next couple of weeks is is looking at those um new blu-ray releases mm -hmm. and what's really good for us now is that it's a, a couple of months after the american summer blockbuster releases so you have you have your wonder womans mm -hmm. you have your spider-man homecoming you, you have do. your uh, Transformers 5, yes, obviously this week we looked at uh, Pirates of the Caribbean yes. 5. So there's all those middle-of-the-road Hollywood films which have all sort of come out at the same time mm. and really offered us a smorgasbord of films uh, to look at and uh, deconstruct. Indeed. And I did I did like the way that you said that um, there's a necessity for us to pause the film to, and I quote, talk about it, as if we're going into civil discourse about the relative merits of what we've been watching and not swearing profusely. Oh, let's not get into let's, just what we think about uh, our film this week, as we discussed uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Mm. And and first up, we're going to do a recurring segment, uh, you may remember from last week, is uh, Jumanji Watch. Yep. Um, because this week we've actually got a new Jumanji trailer. Brand so, new. As part of our This Week in Trailers, mm -hmm. I think... Uh, for as much as we can do, uh, we'll talk about the Jumanji film every week as it, uh, yes, as it turns out. Absolutely. Um, so this week's uh, Jumanji trailer s sort of shows us a little bit more about the world that they're exploring. Yeah, It does a lot more sort of fan service. So mm. one of the opening shots <clears throat> is of the original game buried in the yep. sand. They uh, dig it up mm. and they say, essentially, it's dismissed because it's like no one plays board games anymore. And there's a thing that That's says... Right, yep. uh, the curse always finds a way or something like that. Yeah, so yes. as a way of like, you know, it's it's a an entity in its own right. Mm -hmm. And although it's inhabited a board game, which was a, you know, popular medium for uh, luring in little kids. <laughs> oh, geez, that, sounds, that sounds very strange. Very um, strange. It's uh, transitioned into the video game. So it gives mm. context for the curse. I know we discussed sure. uh, last week. I liked the idea that that green crystal gem was mm -hmm. the source of the curse, but it seems they've contextualized it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and also what they've done is shown us more of the world of Jumanji, more inside the jungle itself. Yes, they did do that. One of the things, just going back to that fan service thing, which to be fair was maybe two or three shots totaling about three seconds of yeah. footage where they actually show the original game board uh, and what looks to be uh, Bonnie Hunt's character's house from the first film as well, for reasons. I don't know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm assuming that that house is... Well, that's the thing, though. That house makes no sense because at the end of Jumanji, everything goes back in time to when Robin Williams was a kid. Yes, and before the... Kirsten Dunst and Monkey Boy's parents right. had died in the car accident. Yeah, so. and then they meet up again. Like, the Kirsten Dunst and Monkey Boy then meet Robin Williams yes. and yeah. Bonnie Hunt in that, the future from that point. 
This is getting weird. Yeah, I don't really remember what they do with the board game. Do they bury it or do they throw it in the river? I thought or? they, yeah, they they hurl it off into the ocean. Oh, is they? that right? And then and then you you see a shot at the very end of the the boom boom yeah, boom and boom, they're boom, in, boom 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 boom. There's boom. some people walking on the beach and they're speaking in French or Japanese ah, or something. Interesting. And they're like, "What's that sound?" And then it cuts to black on an ominous <laughs> note. I think we can get caught up for a long time in how this film actually fits into the Jumanjiver. Yes, but. <laughs> But really, I think the, the, the real takeaways from the new trailer mm. are this... There seems to be like a, a city or a marketplace or a, like a bazaar yeah. in, in the Jumanji world. There um, seems to be mm. New Zealand comedian Reese Darby. He's in there, uh, yep. Popular boy band superstar. <laughs> one of the Jonas. One of Jonas. Blank Jonas. Tom Jonas. Uh, Tom Jonas is yep. there. No, um, no relation to Tom Jones. Um, but look, I mean, to be fair, there's not a lot more revealed. You still have your helicopter action sequences you still yep. have your rhino charges mm-hmm. your hippo kills yep. they show little bits and more pieces about the how the video game mechanics works in terms of the the characters having special powers yeah. having lives they can things bring up, like that they can bring up a little menu that shows what their strengths and weaknesses are and uh Dwayne the rock johnson's weaknesses are none none and, and kevin hart kevin is hart's is cake, cake and speed and strength yeah it feels very much to me more like a comedy than jumanji was jumanji was a, a a family action and because robin williams was there there was a, a sense of um lightheartedness to it whereas this yeah. one very much feels like they've they're hitting the comedy angle as hard as possible absolutely but not even good comedy it's it's that kind of comedy that comes about from uh that kind of Freaky Friday style. Um, it's, a, it's a body switch movie. We're, doing a, we're, we're doing a body that's switch it. movie. That's all yeah. it is, right? Uh, with with a couple of video game tropes in there to make it fun for the kids. Yeah. Um, there was actually a, a very... Um, in that trailer as well, there was a joke in it that I thought was very much in poor taste. And I, I didn't notice it until you pointed it out. Um, where uh, So it's established that Kevin Hart's character has a weakness for cake, sort of in the middle of the trailer. Yeah. And then the last uh, bit of the trailer... Shows him eating cake. The character's saying to him, uh, isn't your weakness cake? In in the middle of the crowded marketplace. Yep. And as per episode one, because I can't do a Kevin Hart impersonation, he will be British. And uh, and, and Kevin Hart responds, no, no, not at all. Like, I, I uh, nothing seems to be happening. I seem to be fine. And, and then, then he, he explodes. He explodes in the middle of a crowded marketplace. And, and not, not a video gamey explosion with, you know, a fun... Not a fun, not, not a fun explosion. Not your character just died. You're now going to respawn. Yeah. A, a like, suicide vest... Suicide vest... Ex- type explosion. It's In a marketplace. Um, and I was like, that, that doesn't... That doesn't feel right. Yeah. That's not even... I mean, it's not I, funny I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, I, I looked at it and it's just a bad joke. It doesn't yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, in the world of Jumanji, it's a, a comedy for comedy's sake mm. rather than um, fitting in with the universe. Yeah. Did not even think of those sort of implications. No. But I also think the, the movie creators didn't think of it either. Probably not, no. And I'm assuming at some point there will be a, some kind of hoo-ha about it. But anyway, let's let's move on. Let's move because on. Let's, we, I mean, we're still going to go see it anyway. We're going to see Jumanji, yeah. Welcome to the Jungle. And so you also pointed out in this one, there's the, the common um, trend in trailers mm. to put in a slow, dark... Um, a brooding remix of an old exactly. song of some kind. Uh, in although, the- like, yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about Geostorm a little bit later, <laughs> but in, in the ori- original teaser trailer, they have 
um, Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World, but like pitched down and slowed down and showing all these natural disaster um, things. Uh, they do it wait, in... Wait, wait, hang on. We've switched the Geostorm, haven't we? We're going, we're going to talk about Geostorm in a moment. All right. Um, in this one, it's just Welcome to the Jungle. It's like, we don't need to slow this down. No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's we'll just a... put it in exactly... We've, we've called the film Welcome to the Jungle yep. so we can use this song in yep. our trailer. Yep. We are not paying anyone to yep. re-record this. No. We're going to use the original Guns N' Roses. Yep. Just chuck it over the top. Yep. Slap, you know, slap the title up. It hits the screen. Dust yep. clouds explode. Welcome to the Jungle. And I can only assume that the cost of licensing that song means they must use it at every opportunity. Sort of like how they paid Marlon Brando uh, $3 million for, the, um, for his appearance in Superman 1 and then decided that they needed to keep yes. using it again. <laughs> and uh, it, just that, to... that performance shows up in crystals for it, Superman it Returns. Yes, it yes. shows up in flashbacks in Superman. I don't really know. Superman 2, I think, in the director's yeah. cut, they might have reused Possibly. bits and pieces from it just because he's in the film in the first Superman for all of, what, five minutes yeah, or something? Yeah, five minutes at the start. Um, so, yeah, I'm assuming that now Welcome to the Jungle not only appears in the trailer, but is in the film as well <laughs> at some point, and not during an end credit thing either. I'm talking... Middle of the action, uh, the this the symphonic score that they use for the rest of the film is suddenly dropped, and then Axl Rose. No, 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 That's it. Now it'll be that. That's what's going to happen. But let's move on because we did watch two other trailers. I feel like we definitely want to hold Geostorm to last. It was too perfect. Um, so we'll talk about Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. It is. Is it just called Tomb Raider, or does it have like a colon Tomb Raider: Rise of the Adventures of Tomb Raider? No, it can't. It's a reboot. It has to have the pure original name it can't have a colon it's it's the unwritten rule of reboots it has to go back to it should i mean if it if it's that rule then surely it just should be called croft <laughs> like they just take the single oh, yeah. word last name go, and that's the reboot go for the logan approach there rocky or balboa, balboa or, or yeah, whatever yeah. it's called yeah. yeah yeah fair enough um so the reboot of the tomb raider franchise uh from what i can see seems to follow almost exactly the relatively recent reboot of the video game series, um, which the video game series actually goes very, very violent and very gritty and, and grisly. Uh, and I'm thinking that, depending on what this film is rated, they're going to try and go down that road. But I'm assuming because they're not pushing for an MA or a hard R rating on this film, it's going to be the kind of M15 plus style gritty violence where they cut away at the last second and don't actually show anything but still trying to be gritty. Yeah, I mean, I only caught snippets of this trailer before today when we sat down and watched it and I had sort of some misgivings about casting, about style, but mm. in its entirety, the the film, the trailer actually looks kind of kind of good. Like, uh, is it uh, Alicia Vicklander or uh, something along those lines? Alicia Vicky Vale, sure. uh, Deus Ex Machina and uh, the Guy Ritchie Man from Uncle. I think she's in that one as well. Um, And she's been great in all the films that I've watched her in. Mm. Um, So her casting as uh, Lara Croft seems fine. Um, There seems to be a lot like that sort of action-y, adventure-y kind of Mm. um, Mm. sort of very, very... Indiana, it's not really Indiana Jones-ish because it seems like there's too much um, 
gameplay mechanics of spikes shooting out of walls yeah, and jumping off aeroplanes. And I mean, I get that. It's that very, it's very video gamey. It is. It it feels it feels very much like a video game. There's a whole bunch of sort of puzzle box things that they show in the trailer, finding clues, yeah. moving on, taking on bad guys, beating traps. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And I didn't play the Rise of the Tomb Raider um, video game series. I mm. have seen little bits and pieces of it. I don't think her the bow and arrow thing really showed up for a, her character in the original video game series. Not in the original original, but in the reboot it's in yeah. there. So I the have reboot played... is in there and uh, it seems to be featured quite a lot in the trailer yeah. as well. So I've played that game um, and one of the... I mean, it was okay. It was kind of an Uncharted rip-off as well, except that at every possible opportunity they tried to inject that kind of very visceral style of, of violence, right? right? So she gets beat up and beat up pretty hard. If you screw up jumps or die, uh, the death sequences are incredibly violent um and i just i can't see this film doing that at any point but it needs to be marketable it needs again when we talk about it all the time the the end line is you need to get people into the cinema to watch it and and by beefing up the violence you're just Mm. limiting a huge uh, portion of your audience who can actually go and watch it yep Uh, i'd be interested to see i don't think there's a lot of comedy that we can derive from it i think Uh, it's it's a film. It's a quantity of film, right? You you go in there and say, I'd like a... It's like when you go to the butcher and you just say, I'd like a pound of beef. Yeah. It doesn't need to be scotch fillet. It doesn't need to be uh, the best premium yeah. cut. It's just... Although, you know, I'd like to hope that it's not just another film that they've just churned out. Um, it looks like it looks like there's some stylistic integrity to oh, it. yeah, but of course. You still enjoyed that quantity of beef. Like, you can cook it up exactly. and, and make some decent uh, meat pies out of it or... or just some nice fried mince. It's fine. Everyone loves that. Yeah. But it's not going to be like your filet mignon of movie going experiences, but it's still enjoyable on any night. You can't be bothered cooking. <laughs> um, but speaking of things that will draw an audience. Oh, right. Okay, you go. Uh, let's talk about Geostorm because this is a trailer that we watched twice and then went back and watched the first trailer because there's now two of them out there. Yes. It looks magnificent. It looks phenomenally I don't even know. I don't. I can't. So, so the the trailer, the trailer two starts, Mm. um, and Jared Butler rocks up late late to a (laughs) Congress meeting of Congress, Senate hearing, and um, stuffy business uh, minded politician goes, "You take it. Uh, uh, This is uh, what's what's his name? Uh, This is Michael Michael Bastion. Let the records know that he was one hour late for this Senate hearing. Yeah, it was one hour late." Cause I just came from space. <laughs> what? Um, and it's just it just goes from there, like, uh, and it's got this weird um, uh, 60s, 70s rock and roll track that feels very much like you're driving down the Mekong River in the Vietnam War <laughs> on the back of like a, yeah. a boat. Yeah. And um, it just it just and it's a spaceship flying into a satellite station yeah. which has the ability to drop these bombs into clouds to control yeah. the weather so from what we can tell the whole premise of this film is that we're in the future obviously at some point They're not the too future, distant future not too distant future uh and humanity has the ability to control the earth's weather and of course that ability is um governed and ruled by the u.s because for some reason the president has the codes to yes, yes. But, you know, obviously lots of people die every year from natural disasters. So this is is a good thing. Mm -hmm. It helps prevent flooding. It helps prevent storms that Mm. that kill people. Mm. But something goes wrong and a whole village in Afghanistan gets frozen Frozen. to death. And uh, they're just like, let's hope that this doesn't go wrong again. Well, not even that. Like their solution is. So 
uh, it's sort of established that there's multiple satellites out in orbit that are controlling the Earth's weather, and uh, one of them goes wrong. So uh, yeah. Afghanistan freezes, and there's, you know... Icicle people. people. There icicle are the, people. the people popsicles Literally just in the middle frozen. of the like, yeah. And the UN's going through there and going, oh my God, what's going on? Uh, and their solution is shut down every satellite. Yes. That's it. I like, think this, this is the meeting, the Congress meeting is, oh, we can't have this going on. <laughs> a few people died. <laughs> yeah. Shut them all down. Shut them all down. down. It's uh, like, you can't do that. I just came from space. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the president, played by Andy Garcia. <laughs> Andy Garcia. President doing? Garcia. Um has the codes to shut down all this and stuff happens planes fall out of the sky uh tarda waves Things take go, over city I, I think the the premise is that it wasn't an accident someone has hijacked yes. the system and is causing global weather catastrophes yes. all over the world sinister only gerard butler and the the guy from 21 who can count to 21 really good and abby cornish and uh woody not woody harrelson who is that uh Someone, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, someone. Anyway. Ed uh-huh. Harris. It was Ed yeah, Harris. Ed Harris, that's it. So that's this cast. And Abby Cornish. Did I mention Abby Cornish? You did, you did mention Abby Cornish. Yes, they're I the should mention ones. her twice because she's really good at driving <laughs> as oh, as yeah. things collapse. Yes, that's right. And the president is impressed. This, it's, it feels, this is the kind of film where they took every single weird science techni- uh, technology thing that's in the news right now. Yes. That's climate change, uh, space travel, and self-driving autonomous vehicles yeah. and jammed it all it, together. It, I, it really should have been called The Day After Tomorrow, Gravity, That's right, White yeah. House Down, because <laughs> it's got it's got people in space yep. um, trying to survive as space things explode. It yep. has weather catastrophes destroying the world. Yep. It has trying to protect the president yes. as things are blowing up. Yes. It is every Roland Emmerich film rolled it into the indeed. one film. It's, it's, um, it's glorious. It is batshit bananas crazy, and it looks, it looks so strange. Stupid, it might actually be fun. <laughs> now, to anyone that is going to go out and watch this trailer, I and I thoroughly urge them to do that. Watch trailer two first, then go back and watch trailer one because this there is, is a crazy, insane. So difference we we in talked tone. about how it had Louis Armstrong's "What a Wonderful World" with that slow mm. melodramatic cover, mm. um, building over these sort of shots of things getting destroyed yep. and slow motion buildings collapsing yeah. and people running away from mm-hmm. tidal waves. They're exactly the same shots that yeah. they used used in, in number two. In Only two. I'm, I'm not, in uh, trailer two, it's a different soundtrack. It's yeah. that Vietnam era yeah. um, upbeat. Uh, you know, yeah. spaceships flying. Yeah. There's people doing jokes, like these light-hearted jokes yeah. over the same shots that have this very sort of dramatic yeah. feel in the first trailer. It's, it's, uh, it's I couldn't believe the difference in tone. So the first trailer has no dialogue in it whatsoever. It's just a, a collection of shots showing devastation and all the Earth's. Uh, all the climate events that are going on on the planet with the very emotional, very dramatic, pared-down cover of uh, What a Wonderful World. Then trailer two, exact same footage with some more in there. Yeah. No What a Wonderful World, full of quippy, weird, semi-trying-to-be-funny dialogue. Um, and it's like, what is this film? <laughs> is it a Is it a drama? Is it a... Is it a comedy? Is I don't it? know. I, do, I, I think I think like it feels very much like 2012. Yep. Um, because yep. I, I actually I wouldn't be surprised if some of exactly the same shots mm. from 2012 are being used in this film I, of, I, of yep. causeways collapsing, of the Earth being ripped apart as trains go flying yep. out of tunnels that yep. no longer connect to anything. Yep. Um, 
and I, I feel as though tonally it's exactly the same kind of film. Oh, for sure. Um, but the, they just can't make up their mind with the trailer, whether yep. they want one trailer to show this uh, yep. gritty, dark, end of the world thing, or whether they want mm. the other trailer to be this sort of fun action mm-hmm. uh, comedy. Um, well, I mean, if there's one thing that'll sell you on this film, there's a uh, title card in the middle of it that says, from the producer of Independence Day. Yes. Not the director. Not the director. Not the writer. Not the writer. Not anyone else who has more of a creative input into the film. The producer. producer. And now, they, 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 this, the, I'm sure the producer didn't do anything. They're just like, no. we, we need to claim that we had a producer from Independence Day yeah. in the title. Who is a producer from Independence Day <laughs> that is not doing anything? Who can just do like a set visit one day? Yeah. Can just come by yep. and just say... Oh, well, I mean, what do you think of this show? I think it's pretty good. You're no, a producer now in the credits. <laughs> You're in the trailer. Done. <laughs> so how does one get promoted to executive producer? I think you actually have to do something. Oh. No, I th- actually, to be fair, I do actually think it's the other way around. I think you have to do less. I think executive producer is one of those things that they just give you. It's like if you've in, been in a TV show for five seasons, mm. then you're an executive producer, yeah. but you are you don't do anything extra, whereas yeah. the producers do actually do the, yeah, uh, do exactly. the work. So. I mean, it's, it, it, I mean the, <laughs> the relevance of executive producer is really laid to bear when you realize that Steven Spielberg is the executive He's producer of... Of the Every Transformers film. films. Oh, there, there was one um, one summer I was working in a cinema where he was he was the executive producer of every film that was in the trailer reel. So it was like <laughs> Eagle Eye with Shia LaBeouf. Yep. Like just every... There was a, probably a Transformers that was released sure. then as yep. well. Just every single film, there was about six of them in that trailer reel, yep. he was an executive producer on. <laughs> I'm like, how... Does, I'm sure he just watches them. I'm just like... I don't think he does though. Like... How can how could how could someone like Steven Spielberg, who has directed uh, Schindler's List, The Color Purple, um, uh, Munich, how could he watch war something horse. like tra- War Horse? Yeah, the horse that went to war. Um, no, no, that's, that's fine. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what he has to do. It's just it's like the the script goes onto his desk. He's like Eagle Eye. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, executive producer. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Transformers 3, <laughs> plane crash, yeah. trans man bomb, <laughs> executive produce, <laughs> kingdom of the crystal skull, skull. executive, oh no, I directed that one. Oh. <laughs> Jurassic World. Yeah, that's mm. right. Anyway, speaking of films that are terrible. Uh, um, yeah, so this week's feature film was Pirates of the Caribbean, Yep. Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yep. Uh, again, I have a problem with that title the third film's called dead man's chest mm. and this one's called dead men tell no tales <laughs> i mean dead men get a lot of they, stuff they get, in this i mean is pirates of the caribbean 6 gonna be dead man's bluff <laughs> i don't mean or is that as blind man's bluff uh, dead or is man. that billy goat's gruff i don't I, it's just like come up don't call you the film if you've got five films in the title each one needs to be uniquely identifiable. Yeah. So when you're talking about it, you can say, oh, you know, Dead Man's Chest. Is mm. that the fifth one? No, no, that was no. Dead Man Tells Us. Wasn't the seventh one? No, it was no. Dead Man Goes to Hollywood. Yep. Well, I mean, it's just it's just absolutely bananas. And the thing is, the, the, the phrase Dead Man Tell No Tales has very little bearing on the film itself. Yeah, because... Except I- when Javier Bardem, just before they sort of pull back and show Pirates of the Caribbean, mm. Dead Man Tell No Tales awkwardly works in the film title yeah. into what he's saying to yeah. to uh Orlando Bloom's son's yeah. character just like because dead men tell no tales <laughs> pull back pirates <laughs> of the caribbean dead men tell no tales yeah. it's just utterly ludicrous yeah. uh, and still not by a long shot the worst part about that film in uh, any way oh my god i just 
All right, let's let's do some disclosure here for a start. Um, I like the Pirates films, right? I don't think that they're um, bastions of filmmaking in any stretch of the imagination, but the first three films, well, we'll talk about the third one a little bit, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed um, the first three films. I'm going to jump in and say I think the first film, um, Curse of the Black Pearl, I think mm. something along those lines, is... A very very good film. It is. It is. Absolutely. It is outstanding. I really disliked this. The rest of them. Sure. I mean, it it goes downhill pretty quickly. It does. Yeah. Um. In a way where I don't think you can end a second film on a cliffhanger and ha- be satisfied. Mm. I think they're about two hours into number two. The name I just I cannot uh, remember for the life of me. Um, World's it, End. Uh, no, it's no, the no, chest no. one. Dead man's. Dead man's. Uh, dead the, man's the one that we've just been talking about. For, yeah. No. No, it's Dead Man's Booty. Dead yeah, Man's sure. Chest. Um, I don't know. Two hours into that, I'm just like, they can't possibly resolve all these story things no. in the in this the amount of time they have left. No. And then it just ends and it says, you're going to have to pay for the next one to find <laughs> out what happens. And I walked out of the cinema going, you're not allowed to do that. Mm. They did that to me with The Matrix and yep. I was pissed off. Yep. And they did it to me with this one. I'm just like, I, I can't abide by what you've this done is, here. Yeah, this is back in like the like mid 2000s when doing back-to-back sequels both in terms of production and in release was a thing that they decided yeah. to do so 2006 2007 were was the, the second two pirates, pirates film films. the matrix was o two o three. yeah sounds about right um then harry potter did it in that was much later on i think okay. uh lord of the rings was consecutive years wasn't it i think that's i think they might have skipped a year at some point but i mean like the lord of the rings has an excuse Right, like, but I mean, you know, they they filmed that for ten years before they started actually sort of releasing the films. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Peter Jackson was working on it for ten years essentially, <clears throat> and had all this sort of stuff. So it wasn't you film of the entire film in that twelve month period, edit yeah. it, put it together, and release it. They they had so much backed up. Yeah, I think it was two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three, or or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. Um, for those films, whereas this one was very much a just a half baked idea. I think that yeah. they when they started making it, they went oh, we can't fit all this into the one film. We're going to have yeah. to break it up. And there yeah. was no... At least with Harry Potter Deathly Hallows, it was called Deathly Hallows Part 1. Mm. You knew they were splitting that up. The was, same, they did the yeah. same with The Hunger Games later on. There's an it's expectation. Like you, yeah, you are going to have to watch half the film now and half the film later. Yep. They did not set the expectations yep. with that second film at all. Regardless of the merits or the, um, the opposite of merits of <laughs> the other Pirates films, let's talk about this one. Because yeah. this one was beyond awful. Yes. I I think there was no more than five minutes between cringes in this film. That, there's just cringeworthy uh, moments happening all the time that you, you can't get engrossed into the, no. the story of the film. You can't put yourself in there because every... Every time Johnny Depp shows up on screen, it's mm. it's just a, a slap in the face of the the Jack Sparrow character he created for the first film. Unbelievable! Um, every story, exposition, conversation mm. is yep. horrible. There's no chemistry between uh, the the two young um, male and female stars. Yep. There's uh, no internal logic behind the universe of pirates. If you try and in your head rationalize how this could be happening now in this film mm. versus all of the magic and curse sort of stuff that we've seen in the previous film. Yep. It just sort of falls in on itself. Yep. And it just, it's hard, it's kind of heartbreaking. It's, and I came into this film is. with expectations because it had semi-decent reviews. I mean, not mm. great, but I'm just like, I thought this was going to be like 
a five out of ten film, and it's getting sort of like you know six and a half, seven. I'm just like, oh, maybe it's mm. a, a bit mm. of a return to form from the. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even mentioned number four, which sort of stands on its own as yeah, this let's, let's not weird nexus of a doesn't fit in with the original trilogy. They didn't get any of the stars to come back. Nope. Um, uh, and then. This sort of came along, I'm like, is this going to be a sensible retelling with that sort of fun action that they they sort of... But it's just not there. And that's what I wanted it to be. I, I saw the trailers for this film when they came out and I was excited for it. I wanted that kind of, let's go back to that fun, uh, playful kind of... Uh, that playful, fun kind of film mixed together with decent action and a decent story uh, and decent characters that feel, you know compelling and and have decent relationships and in this we got it's not even like it's not even that case where um where reboots will try and just basically take the original film and retell it and sort of hit the notes that the original film did this film didn't even do that no right you could almost see they were trying to do that in the sense that they have uh discount it literally was discount orlando bloom because he's playing he's playing orlando bloom he's, son. Orlando he's got bloom an excuse this time he's got an excuse, for being yeah. just a discount version yeah. of the original yeah. character because he is legitimately the the yeah. son of that character uh, just before we obviously spoilers whatever i mean i don't care but so we've got discount orlando bloom then we've got uh, a female lead discount Kira knightley. Kira knightley portman whatever yes um who and at some point by the end of the film those two characters are together at no point during the film is there any reason for that no. to happen there's a couple of really awkward conversations they have where you can tell that the writers are trying to build character mm. but and build a rapport between them but it just doesn't work no. it's just them like shout like saying lines to one another yeah. and then sort of smiling going oh we just flirted and it's like no no you didn't yeah. no you didn't no, at all that's, that's no no now we discussed after we uh finished the podcast last week that we should introduce a section or a segment at the top which is recounting the story or plot of the movie yeah. uh in, in two minutes i think we gave ourselves sure. yep. just because not everyone that's going to be listening to this ha- would have seen the film yeah and just by trying to put it in a bit of context, we start from the beginning, work our way through, and try and speed run <laughs> the film um, to, to give people a, a sense of what it was about and what the main main sort of story was. It's going to be super hard be for this really one. hard. Because, because I don't even think the writers no. know what the story is. The mm. characters' motivations are unclear. <laughs> Plot points as to why things are happening are unclear. There's built-in redundancies yeah. for, like... They're two groups of antagonists chasing the bad guys. He's like, there does not need to be the Javier Bardem pirate ship of dead ghost pirates. (laughs) And there does not need to be the um, obligatory, the English shall rule the seas and we should take you over. And I'm David Wenham and I am Australian, but somehow playing an English person. They don't, they both don't need to be there. And then partway through the film, they just crush the English guys. It's like, yeah, yeah, we we don't know why, why we had them in their story. And just, if we just kill them now and then you don't have to think about it it's mm. just like so do you want right, so to do you want to attempt this gonna, two minute run uh, this is going to be impossible uh, um, the reason why like plot points are still being added to the film about an hour and 40 oh, minutes in and i'm not talking about like no, major, stuff that's a continuation major reveals yeah nothing that's a continuation of stuff oh, God, that's come you, at the start but like right. brand new story points that have had no bearing on the story whatsoever until this point i'm gonna say go and you have two minutes <laughs> Uh, okay, go. go. Um, uh, Orlando Bloom's son is on a ship and uh, Salazar Slytherin comes on board, who's played by Javier Bardem, who's eating every single bit of prop he can. What do you call it um, when, a, when an actor does that? He's chewing the scenery. 
He's chewing every bit of scenery in the, in the uh, on the set. Um, he tells him that he's after Jack Sparrow because Jack Sparrow did something to I'm him at pull some you point up here. in the you've, you've missed it. You've missed Already? the opening sequence where where uh, Disco Orlando Bloom was a, a son. And oh yeah, of course. So the, oh, the opening sequence is him uh, almost draining himself to get onto the Flying Dutchman yep. to tell Orlando Bloom, who is his dad, mm. um, that I'm going to find a way to break your curse and free you from this mm. uh, ship that you're on. Yep. The only way to do it is to find Neptune's Trident. Yep. And of course, that means that uh, this film only works if you've seen every other oh, Pirates absolutely. film it's as well. It's not an independent film at all. Because it, it makes no sense to anyone that has never all seen right. these so films So then before. we cut, so, cut to ten years nine, later. nine years later. Well, nine years later. Um, they're chasing pirates. The pirates go into the Devil's Triangle. Yep. Uh, Discount Orlando Bloom. Yep. Henry Turner says, don't go in there. Um, it's cursed in there. Yep. They don't listen. They go in there. Yep. Uh, Javier Bardem uh, kills everyone except for uh, Discount Orlando well, Bloom. Yep. Because... or. Dubloon? We call him Dubloon. Because he's yep. Discount Orlando Bloon. And um, Dubloon then goes, oh, uh, Javier Benham's like, I only leave one person alive so they can tell the tale. Uh, then I don't even know where to go. So then we, we cut to uh, a seaside town of some yeah, kind. Like Santa somewhere Maria the, or some yeah, Caribbean some town. Some big Caribbean town. Which is quite clearly Queensland. It's yeah, probably just it off the really, Gold Coast. It really is Queensland. And anyway, it's they're unveiling a new bank. Um, and they've got this new safe in there, and then for some Jack reason... Jack Sparrow's asleep Jack- in the sta- safe, and he's drunk, and they to try and rescue yeah. the safe, they drag the entire building through well, the town. Well, they're not rescuing the safe, they're trying to rob it. Yes. Right? So there's this but big- the safe's open, and the gold's flying everywhere, and they ultimately yeah. fail. But there's this weird sequence where we're introduced to um, Effie from Skins, mm. who is discount Kiara Knightley, yep. or... Uh, I can't even think of a portmanteau <laughs> of that. And, and she's introduced because... I confess that I can pick handcuffs and I confess that I'm a scientist and I like looking at the stars and then everyone else is like, you're a witch. And there's a 30-minute sequence here where every character is captured and escapes at least twice for no apparent reason. Um, So Dubloon is chained up in hospital Mm -hmm. and escapes. Uh, Effie the witch is in hospital and escapes. Uh, Jack Sparrow is locked in a safe and then escapes and then they're all captured and so they're going to hang them and behead them respectively. Yep. And then Dubloon comes in yep. and tries to rescue them, but yep. fails, but it's a distraction and yep. they all escape again. Yep. And then later on, there's this weird section in the middle where they land on an island in the middle of nowhere for no reason mm. and capture Jack Sparrow and try and marry him oh, off to some it's... ugly wench. And there's no reason for the sequence to be there. And we both <clears throat> screamed in frustration so, let's, that let's... there's absolutely no point to it. Let's backtrack for a second here, uh, just to give some context behind that scene what little there is so essentially all these characters come together through very very stupid reasons uh and the whole idea is that they're all united to try and find the trident of neptune which is the macguffin of this film uh and that trident will give them dominion okay fine because it's it's a macguffin then not the macguffin uh so this this uh scepter or trident is meant to give them dominion over the sea and can break all ocean bound curses exactly so it's the source of every single curse that's ever happened on the seven seas including all the stuff you've seen in the previous films well i don't want to maybe maybe i think there's aztec gold is the curse from the first one right and I'm not sure that's necessarily an aquatic based curse (laughs) but let's not let's not split hairs here okay because anyway so they're all united against it and then we also have Javier Bardem uh, going after Jack Sparrow because Jack Sparrow, in his youth, trapped him in the Devil's Triangle. Triangle, sure, sure, that's a pretty evil shape. 
Um, and the most evil of shapes <laughs> is the triangle. Yeah, and and cursed him to a not quite dead, but not you know the you know the curse when they're yeah. not dead but they're still alive. And but yeah, I mean it's the same curse that everyone's been through at least once or twice yeah. during the film. Yeah, but for. Like, it's a different curse that somehow has the same effect of half dead, half yeah. alive. Davy Jones's locker, Aztec That's curse. That's right. And, uh, uh, Devil's Triangle curse. And Javier Bardem, who plays a character called Salazar something, Slytherin, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, is attempting to track Jack down to... I want to say kill him. Kill, like I mean, that seems to be for revenge. I think it's a revenge. No one's no one's motivations in this film are particularly clear. No. So it sort of starts off that he's trapped there, and he uh, enlists the help of Dubloon to get the compass from Jack Sparrow mm. for what no, we're, we're not really reasons clear on. But then it turns out that because Jack Sparrow is an alcoholic, he trades the compass for a bottle of mm. whiskey, mm. and in giving up the compass. The compass releases his number one fear, which is this guy that he'd forgotten about from his youth. <laughs> and so Salazar Slytherin is now yeah. uh, hunting him down, but there's just, there's no reason for it. because no. so Slytherin hunting Jack Sparrow down has nothing to do with the Trident. No. The Trident's only purpose then is to stop Sl- Slytherin, hmm. who is hunting Jack down because Jack's looking after the trial. It just it's no, it's this it illogical loop that just goes on and on forever. It makes no sense. And keep in mind, if you've seen the other films, it's the same compass. It's that compass that's meant to show, uh, point you in the direction of the thing you most, most desire. Most desire. So yeah. somehow that's tied into the curse that Salazar Slytherin has. And when Jack gives away the compass, because he's never lost the compass before in yeah. any of the other films, uh, um, Salazar is released from the Devil's Triangle and is now free to hunt down. Sparrow. Yes. And I have no idea why that's the case. And then the compass has no bearing on anything after that. But as soon as the trident becomes the focus of the search, it's also... uh, Dubloon wants it so he can free his His, father from the Flying Dutchman curse. And uh, Discount Kira Knightley wants it because... As since she was an orphan, she'd had this book that was left for her, and the book yeah. has all these sort of Indiana it's, Jones type Grail diaries. It's the Grail diary, yeah, and it's, um, and it's how to get it, and, a, and like a, a piece of a ruby embedded <clears throat> in the front or something like yeah. that. And now let's let's uh, let's continue on that track and on in terms of where that book has come from. Uh, so. This is the one hour forty mark, right? I think, yeah, I think we're. So, I'm not one. Like, yeah, well, let's go one and a half hours. Pretty in. far. It, it in. was. It was definitely a significant way through the film. Yeah, we're like at the tail end of Act Two at this point, so we don't need. And we've had like we know nothing about Discount Kira Knightley, really. We know nothing about no. where she's come from, who she is. We know that she she's likes a, a, astronomy she's an and astronomer. she can do maths. And because of that, she's declared a witch. Uh, a witch, which it feels very sort of like out of place. And I was trying to think: is it? The time frame that it's set in, I think, is probably around the 1600s. Mm. Um, and I think the Salem Witch Trials might be around the same sort of time. But, mm. like, that melding and merging of those worlds into yeah. the Pirates of the Caribbean just seems... Like, because she's accused of being a witch for no proof and is going to be sentenced to death. And then later on we see an actual witch, which the English bad guys know is a witch and yeah. they just kind of let it slide and you go well this doesn't make, make any sense no. you've just needed an excuse or even like it's a lazy writing it to is, go it's, it's a historical piece any woman who knows anything <clears throat> has to be then for accused of being a witch it's exactly it, that it's it's a it's a horrendously crappy crutch um but let's talk about now this book um that she is in possession of so at the one and a half hour point uh it's revealed that uh, she's an orphan. 
She's an orphan, yeah. Uh, she was she was dropped off at an orphanarium. Orphanarium. That's that's what. Yeah, I mean, that's what yeah, they are, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Orphan house, orphan warehouse. The discount orphan warehouse. Discount orphan warehouse. Um, that's why her first name is Discount. That's and her last name is <laughs> Kieran Knightley. Kieran Knightley, yeah. Uh, it's a family name. Um, so she gets dropped off there, and she has a book uh, purportedly from her father. Yeah. Uh, and this book has uh, a bunch of of maps and instructions in it about how to find. Um, the location of King Neptune's trident. And so she's on this big quest to try and find it. Um, we then learn, <laughs> uh, and we haven't actually mentioned this character yet, but we learn that for some reason, her father is Captain Barbosa. Yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush's character. Captain, yeah. For what? Yeah, like it's just, it's completely out of the blue. They're having a conversation, and he's like, Arr, what be your name? And she's just like, I'm named after the North Star, Kira yeah. Knightley. It's like, oh God, I had sex with a woman called Kira Knightley and I dropped her this baby off at the orphanarium. And I, I, you must be my daughter. Oh, yeah. It's just oh, like, and Jack knows, by the way. Yeah, Jack I mean, like, Jack, Jack figures it out. It's like, I, I do believe that you had a thing for a wench called Kira Knightley <laughs> many moons ago, Jar. Is that your, and that I'll, I shall use this information to blackmail you for freedom. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, God. It was just, it was bizarre. Out of like, the blue. Like, why? What possible purpose could that serve to this? Oh, it does serve something to the story, by the way, because giant spoiler alert, they kill... Barbosa at the end of the film. Yeah, so they're climbing up an anchor chain to get out of the ocean, which is yeah. collapsing in around them, and uh, uh, Discount falls. Um, Captain Barbosa catches her, yeah. and she sees a tattoo on his arm, and it's the tattoo of the constellation that they've been using all along, and she's just like, what's my relationship to you? Yeah, which is no, just it's like, like, it's who, not the right question was, to ask who, in that situation. Who am I to you? And, not- and, and, and then somehow she figures out that He's her dad, and then he, then Jack Sparrow drops a sword to him, and Jeffrey Ruff drops off the anchor, falls th- down, stabs Javier Bardem in the back, yeah. and they escape. And it's just so, th- yeah. This all comes at the sort of climax of the film, where um, the waves get the, the ocean gets parted, they destroy the trident, and then the ocean walls are starting to yeah. collapse back in, uh, and the the characters are all climbing up the anchor uh, up to the Black Pearl to escape. Javier Bardem jumps on at the last minute and there's that kind of you know, yeah. tense moment where there's a bad guy in the end of the anchor. And so Jeffrey Rush makes the ultimate sacrifice, he makes a sacrifice by to- jumping down and stabbing Javier Bardem and then they both get consumed by the ocean. Yes. It's just, why? Like, at what... Nothing in this film suggests that Barbosa is hung up about being a parent. No. So he literally he- learns about the fact that she's there at the hour and a half mark in and then about 15 minutes later he kills himself willing for her. to kill himself for her and he's just like why none of, none of the moments are earned uh, because they don't take the time to establish character relationships there's it's no, just there's no, this film there's is, nothing there's nothing to this film it, and so the more we talk about it, the more angry we're going to get. I, I, I just want to bring up a point and just sure. to, to try and uh, to temper the anger, which I can see <laughs> welling inside you. Just, let's talk about a young Johnny Depp flashback. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Um, and and you pointed out, I think Disney has done this oh, they're loving so this. many they times. Are loving this. Uh, young Robert Downey Jr. Yep. in um, Captain America Civil young, War, I think it was. Young Carrie Fisher. Young Carrie Fisher, young Graham uh, Tarkin. Um, I guess, well... I mean, yeah, it, younger I mean, in that he's not dead. He's technically younger than he is now, but... Yes. Yeah, so, so, it was... Um, 
I, I and and this time uh, it's a flashback to when Javier Bardem was alive, yep. and Jack Sparrow is supposed to be maybe a teenager, but yeah. but the age of the face that they it digitally compose onto this uh, actor changes from scene to scene. Mm, like mm. sometimes he looks about twenty five, and then sometimes he looks about fifteen. Yeah, yeah. and it's a bit weird I had that a, it yeah. keeps bouncing back and forth between it. Yeah, I had a very. Uh, in terms of the tech behind it, like uh, we're getting to a point where it's like, yeah, that's kind of impressive, but something was really up with Johnny Depp's mouth, young Johnny Depp's mouth, because it looked like, do you remember when Conan used to do that thing where he'd just have a, a picture of a celebrity yes. and then they just superimpose someone's mouth over the top of it? And it would always, because as their mouth moved up and down, the picture, right, didn't, the picture move, didn't move at all. And it just, it's like, it just seems that's, like that's it's disembodied it like. lips floating <laughs> around a face. That's what it looked like. And it was bonkersly Bonkersly? Yeah. Bonkersly bizarre. Yes. Um, and we're supposed to uh, see this incident here where he's um, f- taunted Salazar Slytherin into chasing him into the Devil's Triangle and yeah. and dying as being his sort of like, this is the moment uh, that he was called Jack the Sparrow. Yeah, that he became and the pirate. One, once he did that, he earned the respect of all of his other pirate mates and they mm. all come along and they put like a little... Uh, uh, token of appreciation yeah. <laughs> and they're all his little affectations they're his hat yeah. they're the weird stick that's across his face yeah. the, the beads that are dangling from his goatee yeah. and then also um, it's also supposed to be where he got the <laughs> compass as well because the, yep. the captain of the ship gets hit by a cannonball that's right, and yep. he gives the compass to him he's like this compass yep. will show you the thing that you most desire <laughs> don't betray it <laughs> like this weird thing it's like what was that thing at the well, end there that's yeah. never never come up in any of the other films yeah. except we've already seen that he's betrayed it and given it away yeah. um, earlier so yeah. we're trying to write in that he was told that he shouldn't have done that. Yeah, because like a single throwaway line by a dying character is definitely the way you want. To, oh, a character that we've never seen before, by yeah. the way. He explains he the magic of the world, the why s- things are happening. <laughs> you see the first shot of him uh, during that flashback, and then literally twenty seconds later, he's dead. Yes. Uh, and apparently that's a pa- anyway. And he's had the compass the whole time. I mean, what's he been doing with it? Like, if it's the thing that he desires most, and he's been following it, how did it? How did it take him into a battle with a Spanish general who wants to kill all pirates? I I have to go back actually to the to that bit where they're giving him all his affectations, yeah. right? Uh, because you can kind of cast a thread, and don't hate me on this. I'm going somewhere. Um, that scene in Last Crusade, during the opening sequence when it's a flashback yes. to Indiana Jones's and youth, he, he gets and the, hat. the he it, gets his hat. Also, the whip scar is the scar and with the, the scar whip. and the whip. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's a cute little fear thing. of snakes as well. If we're going sure. for every Indiana Jones affectation, sure. But at least that, that at least sequence. that happens over a course of a big sequence, right? Yes. This would be like the pirates' equivalent would be like. The bad guy gives Indy the hat. Then he takes off his jacket and gives him that. Then he pulls off his whip, whip and gives him that. that. Uh, and then he says... Um, and he takes out his gun and says, use this in a fight scene if you have dysentery <laughs> while filming in Turkey. And, yeah. if, and some guy, just- if some guy is swinging a sword at you and you're not feeling up for it, just shoot him with this gun. Yeah. Uh, you need to just point it in this direction and you use the trigger to fire. That's what this was like. Yes. Um, it was just like, what? why is this here? I... I it's 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 this real mini it, Jack it, Sparrow origin. But was it a uniform? Flashback. Like it felt like it was a uniform. Like you know, to be on this ship, right? If you the code of conduct for this ship, if you want to be captain, you must wear this, these little beads, and this hat. It's it's almost like those restaurants you go to, and the uh, wait staff have to have a certain amount of badges uh, and yes. uh, affect like little mm. bits and pieces, and it's just like, oh right, you've you've earned this piece here. <laughs> but like, I mean, you would imagine that. 
he would have collected these through a lifetime of adventures. I, we assume, but it's it no, it's just this one event no, no, just, where he uh, <laughs> he puts a, ties a rope to a rock <laughs> so he can turn his ship super fast. Yeah, and because of that, they give him everything that's important to him Absolutely. in life. Absolutely, his nickname, his appearance, yep. the the captaincy of the ship, all comes the from compass, one one event, one like yeah, two minute sequence in his life. Mm-hmm. I I look. <sighs> We got incredibly angry watching this. Well, I got incredibly angry yes. uh, watching this film. Um, this, we're three episodes into this podcast. <laughs> this is officially. I can't tell which one I hate more, this film or Jurassic World. And, and, I, and I hated. We've Jurassic mentioned World. we watched Crystal and we Skull watched Crystal Skull with before we started recording the podcast. Watched it as a as with the intent of sort of talking about it. Yeah, that is a truly atrocious film, and I do hate Crystal Skull more. Yep. Just because I love Indiana Jones so much, I, I agree. It's like it's like having your heart broken by someone you truly yeah. care about, <laughs> rather than having your heart yeah. broken by someone you were kind of like, oh, I'm not sure where this relationship was going. Yeah, but it's... still, a breakup hurts. But and this just felt like a great big kick in the face. Oh, for sure. To like, everything that you've loved about the the series so far. Ostensibly, this is a far worse film than Crystal Skull is. I. N- Take away the love of Indiana Jones from Crystal I'm, Skull. Yeah, it's but it's a bad film. There's yes. still giant spinning saw blades on a truck cutting their way <laughs> through a forest. I still can't get I, behind that. Yeah, but what about this film? Yeah, no, I. I they, bo- they pull the whole bank building. They, they, on they use like six horses to pull an entire bank through the streets. Like, not, not just the not safe. Not just the safe, the entire the building. Entire bank. There's actually a sequence in one of the Fast and Furious films, I think it's like five or six, where they do this very thing. They they, they tie the safe to the end of cars yeah. and then they're driving through the street and the safe's yeah. t- trailing yeah. behind it and they're using it like a bomby yeah. knocker to knock cars and yeah, stuff around. Just, just this is that sequence, but with horses. With horses and, and the not entire just the building. Safe, the entire building. So like based on that logic... Because cars are far more powerful than the six or twelve horses that they used, the cars in the Fast and the Furious franchise should have been able to pull a skyscraper along behind them. <laughs> like that's the kind it's of It's just it is insanity. It is it is literally like screenwriters take- and filmmakers just with no common sense yeah. at all going, wouldn't it be cool if and we've talked about this I'm not sure if we talked about it on the podcast, but there's uh, the phrase, wouldn't it be cool if yeah. And I think Steven Spielberg and George Lucas <laughs> had that mentality for Crystal Skull. Yep. I think they have their mentality here and they don't take a step back going, it would be kind of cool, but it is not within the realms of possibility within this universe Absolutely. for these events to be happening. Yep. Doesn't matter if it would be cool if Johnny Depp stuck a cannonball up his ass and fired yep. himself yep. to the ship. Yep. Like It's just, no, please, <laughs> please restrain yourself to the physical limitations of the universe oh, before... Sure. Before, before you do things, and it's just... There's two more things I want to talk about. Um, one thing we mentioned earlier, which was the bizarre wedding sequence in this film. Yeah. So, essentially, um, what happens is Johnny Depp, uh, Dabloon, and Discount Kira Knightley... You can just call her Discount. She doesn't need to be called by her right. full name. So, Discount Dabloon and uh, Johnny Depp um, are being chased by Slytherin... And yep. they land on an island. Just a but, random island. Just a random that, island. It just happens to be the nearest island for when uh, yep. uh, Slytherin got close to them and they, yes. they decided to take a rowboat and try and... Yeah, and now as part of Slytherin's curse, he can't touch land because why not? Um, oh, magic power. We've got to talk about magic so powers. So we thing. do we'll have to talk to about that. magic powers, uh, but there is another thing I want to talk about as well. Uh, so anyway, 
uh, Slytherin and his crew can't touch land, so they retreat back to the boat uh, where they're in discussion with Barbosa. Barbosa has made a previous deal with them to try and get Sparrow. Yes. Uh, so essentially, um, what's meant to happen after that is is Barbosa's crew is meant to arrive on the island and capture Sparrow. So there's a, a bit of a time gap uh, between Barbosa making it to the island and actually meeting Sparrow. Yeah. So to fill that gap, they've put in a really weird sequence. So the the trio get captured. They get they fall into a, a, a net. They enter a jungle, which yeah. means that within three or four steps, they will be hoisted into the air yeah. by a net uh, right. with some sort of jungle trap that yep. people have set up. Yep. And then uh, after that, they're at a, a, a wedding ceremony. It's a wedding ceremony held in the skeletal carcass of a whale, of a whale that's washed up in the beach. By what looks like shipwrecked, I'm assuming uh, some shipwrecked, people that were marooned there we're assuming this the, I don't this know. never explained why these people are on the island yeah. at all why they are setting up traps to capture people mm. and th- i think we're about an hour and 17 minutes in by this point yeah and this is a character that uh, jack sparrow recognizes and has betrayed in the past mm. and for his betrayal this character is forcing johnny depp to marry the uh, ugliest woman he's ever uh, seen that's right yeah and they've got a minister there uh, and they talk about Jack making an honest woman of her. Yeah. And she has two kids. And it's just there. It is just there. It is so out of place. It's so unnecessary. And we just, uh, this this scene comes up in a film that already makes no sense. And this was the most bizarre point. Because there's no reason for these characters to be there. You can, they you disappear afterwards. You literally just cut the entire sequence yeah. out and you wouldn't notice. But whose fever-addled mind actually typed the words onto a script yeah. to have this made is just astoundingly... Just, it, it had to have been no like a 2am filler that someone wrote when they realised there was a time gap between um, Barbosa. But they don't care. Like, later on... Um, uh, Barbo, uh, not Barbosa, uh, Salazar Slytherin possesses Dabloon mm. and then they're like, we're going to go get Jack Sparrow and literally two seconds later, they've covered all the distance, gone back, Dabloon jumps in a fight. They don't care about time gaps. No. They don't care about how long things take. No. They just don't, for this one sequence, just this they one did. sequence. They just, <laughs> wouldn't be funny if he had to marry, like, what do you... No, it wasn't even, a, it wasn't even a wouldn't be funny. It's like, oh my God, Barbosa doesn't have enough time. There's a time gap there. What are they going to do? What are these, what are the trio on the island going to do? Uh, da, 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 da. Wedding! That'll do. That'll take up time. Yeah. Let's have a wedding, and it'll be um, uh, with someone that, that Jack has betrayed before. Jack's had plenty of adventures, right? Like, he'd be the type of person that would have double-crossed someone in the past. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if the person that he was forced to marry was really, really ugly? Oh, that would be funny. Great. I'll write it right now. It's, Act it. It's bizarre. It is truly bizarre. And we're gonna we'll touch on the magic powers now because I think that relates to that that thing where I I just mentioned that Slytherin uh. possesses doubloon. So last week we talked about with the mummy yes. that whenever it sh- whenever necessary the mummy would develop new magic powers mm. to be able to do things just to make uh, special effect sequences look cool. Not even that. Just to at some point uh, the existing. Um, Scope of her powers. Yeah, the existing range and scope of her powers uh, would 
allow her to be defeated by whatever the good guys had. So so she's just impervious. Or yeah. they wanted to do a kick-ass sequence where all the windows in London sure. exploded and, and there was a sandstorm. Sand. Yeah. So this is very much the same thing that they do here where yeah. we know that um, Salazar is cursed he's un- and he's, he's an undead person. Mm. All right. Okay. Fair enough. So then, pow- power number one. Power number one. He can go through walls. He can walk through the, pr- the bar- prison, prison bars, bars with, as if the prison bars weren't there. Yeah. Uh, there's also a thing where there's disembodied hands or it doesn't matter if all your body parts are attached. Mm. They'll still float in space as if they were. Sure. Even though there's no physical thing there. Mm-hmm. Uh there is a weird thing where the ship has the like the it's almost like a centipede or like the face hugging monsters from yeah, aliens where sort of proud it, like, the ship can the ribs of the ship open up yeah. and grab on and latch onto things. He then um, also has the power to reanimate dead sharks, yep. which is never really explained nope. up until the point that they throw dead sharks in the water and, again and for a sequence. It's like, wouldn't alive? it be cool if there were skeletal sharks? Yep. We then discover that they can't touch land, yep. but they can walk on slightly wet sands. Yep. Uh, provided, uh, provided their feet are still wet, oh, that's fine. And they can run on water? They, they can run on water. That's, again, another power that shows up. It's like, yep. if you could run on water the whole time... Why? Why did you send dead sharks after know. the Johnny well, Depp just, in his rowboat? It just that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, uh, then later on, we discover that he has the power to possess people, so he mm. can walk on land. Yep. But the penalty of doing that is he can't unpossess them. Mm-hmm. And this is oh. an hour and fifty-two minutes <laughs> into the film, they just say. You can do this. Yep. Go and do it. And you're like, why? Oh, they can breathe underwater they as can, well. They can they breathe can under- underwater. So, yeah, despite the fact that they can also run on the top of the water, they yep. can, if they choose to, sink to the bottom of the water as well. Yep. Uh, it just... And- it's a batshit array of powers that just comes out of nowhere. Oh, hang on. We're missing one as well. The uh, the ship has a kind of big statue on the prow. Oh, there, yes, yes. Which comes to life during the, the an action sequence. The maidenhead sort of, of the, on the prow. Yep. Can animate just and fight. comes alive. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, the, the ship's already opening up itself yeah. like a giant yeah. uh, centipede mm. to just devour things. Why yeah. not? The you know the wood becomes sentient and try and fight yeah. Johnny Depp Why as not? well. Why and not? Just why not? Why and of course, the hell not. Of course, now this is going to go into the second thing I wanted to discuss, which is Jack Sparrow's character in this film. Um, but that wooden specter, that reanimated statue, was defeated by. Jack Sparrow doing some crazy, just crazy. There's, there's a crap where he pulls a cannon out. He and... he's holding onto the side of his ship. Mm. The enemy ship has a cannon pointed directly at his at face. His face yeah. You see the enemy light the fuse. He's also being attacked by an animated wooden statue mm. who has a great big spear who's about to attack him. Mm. And he's like, if I just jump over there and pull the rope, yep. the cannon will point upwards and mm-hmm. shoot the face off the giant wooden statue. Yep. And it's like, what sort of Rube Goldberg machine just... has eventuated that you can, you know, pull this lever and it'll do this and it'll fire <laughs> that and it'll ping off this and destroy exactly <laughs> what he wants it to destroy. I need to also mention that it's the only canon in the entire, not just the film, but the entire Pirates universe that has a Looney Tunes-esque fuse on it. <laughs> yeah, time like, delay. Everything else, you touch the fire everything to else, it, yeah, it explodes. But, but for this uh, one, no, we're going to have a nice long fuse on it. Because- speaking of cannons shooting things, let's go back to the, the guillotine section <laughs> ah! where the to escape from a guillotine, they fire a cannon at the guillotine <laughs> where Johnny Depp is attached to and it creates this sort of centrifugal thing where um, it, the whole guillotine starts spinning around with Johnny Depp in it and the blades going in and out and in and out. Yeah. And then 
It's just it's just one of those things like, what did you expect to happen? These people who are trying to rescue Jack Sparrow have fired a cannon essentially <laughs> at him going, that'll free him. And and then there's this like wackiness that just ensues. I, it just... I just... Uh, look, let's let's discuss Jack Sparrow We'll right talk now. about the character rather uh, than the stupidity of the beca- action sequences. By the way, I just need to explain, if it feels like we're jumping around a lot and everything is incoherent, welcome to the film watching experience that, this, that we had. Okay? So... Jack Sparrow, in at the very least, the first film, doesn't come across as incompetent. No. Per se. He comes across as conniving. He comes across self-centered. as self-centered. And even though it looks like he's kind of bumbling, we get the sense as an audience that he knows exactly yeah. what he's doing. So I, I described it as the, the Jackie Chan style, the drunken master. Yeah. Where it appears as though you're drunk, but every move you make is quite deliberate. You're always in control. Absolutely. You always have the ability to attack or retreat if you yes. want to. It's just there's the appearance on the surface, the ruse mm. of um, of that sort of yeah. uh, incompetence, but you, you're always in control. Now, I think that, I guess, through the course of these five films, they've probably tried to go more down the slapsticky route with his character. But this one takes a massive leap into what I deem to be Mr. Magoo country. It is, absolutely. Because, essentially... In this this film, they've reduced him down to basically a drunk uh, and, and all the trappings of being a drunk. And at no point... Well, that's supposed to be his character arc. The character arc is supposed to be he's reached rock bottom. Yeah. He, the only reason that he'd ever give away this compass mm. is for a bottle of whiskey because he's become an irredeemable drunk. Exactly. And it's supposed to be a position from which you can build his character back mm. up. But instead of going, I've hit rock bottom, it is, I'm Mr. Magoo, where mm. I can stumble around and things will happen around me and through yeah. blind luck and I will get fine. through it all. Yeah. And that's you don't have that sense and in the other the, films. He doesn't redeem himself at all. No, he doesn't. Now, now that I think about it, there's no moment at the end of the film where he goes, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm mm. not going to be a drunk. I've pulled myself back from this completely rotten place which I found myself in. Yeah. And he... I think I, I basically said that he does nothing in this film. If you no. take If you take what he... So, essentially, he makes this film harder by releasing Slytherin. Yes. So, I mean... His mo- he has no motivations no. at all. Like, uh, he doesn't want to find the trident. He doesn't want to re-imprison um, Salazar. He he just gives away his compass, which sets which un- Salazar yeah, free. Which unlocks Salazar. But he- Salazar doesn't need to be there. No. The, the They're already being chased by the British Admiralty, essentially. Mm. There's already an imperative for them to achieve their goals. They don't need this other thing. So no. um, Javier Bardem... And uh, Johnny Depp didn't need to be in the film. No. And you would have the same adventure, the, essentially. And the same ending as well. The same ending. It's just, it's just they are there for, like, Javier Bardem to be an uh, A-list name mm. that has some sort of zombie special effects applied to him. Yeah. And Johnny Depp, just because it's called Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, like, yeah. it's just... And I've, I've... I honestly, like, when the fourth film came out and... It was very Jack Sparrow heavy. I I didn't enjoy it as much. No, I actually prefer Barbosa as a character. There's a there's a great balance that they struck with the first film with mm. Keira Knightley, Orlando Bloom, and Johnny Depp. There's yeah. a triumvirate there that they they have checks and balances which sort of all work together. Mm. Um, and then 
I mean, I liked Barbosa's character, but he's very much the antagonist of the first film. Yes, yes. And he's, uh, he doesn't sort of fit into that dynamic, but then yeah. they do sort of decide to jam him in there. And sure. Re-enter. So, again, there's another point talking about stakes. So, um, Marvel has a problem where they there's no stakes ever for your superhero characters because you can't actually ever really kill them off. No. And I feel as though with Pirates of the Caribbean, they've done that Game of Thrones thing where because they've introduced the ability to reanimate um, characters who have died, yep. which they did for Barbosa at the end uh, of uh, Pirates 2. Pirates yep. 2 there's no stakes for them dying or for them no. sacrificing themselves because no. you can essentially just reanimate them or you can uh, bring them back or they can not be there. or yep. It just it diminishes any sacrifice that Barbosa makes at the end of the film. I mean, it's, it's not... It seems like a rubbish sacrifice to kill yourself to save everyone. Mm. Like, on maybe on paper in the script, it looked good, but on film... In with the blocking of where all the characters were, he's like, that was just so unnecessary. Yeah, it was stupid. So it diminishes his sacrifice completely. To, because you're like, they could just bring him back if they wanted to, mm. or like, anyway, it's just. Well, the other thing is that it's kind of implied that the trident is the source of all the magic. I, I did. Guess. I did want to talk about. So you you talk about a broader universal mythology that yeah. they bring up in pirates and. I kind of feel as though it is there and I, I, I yeah, it is established. Mm. But I think the first film is just about Aztec gold, which is cursed, right? Sure. From that point on, they start adding in like real, like it becomes much more of a plot point that this magic exists in the universe, that there are curses, that yeah. all the stories you hear of the sea of Davy Jones's locker of the mm. flying Dutchman of the Kraken are real. Yeah. And I, I much more appreciated the first film because it was kind of subtle Yep. There was a cursed gold. They couldn't contain their greed, mm. and they were then sort of like cursed to be these zombies. Yeah, and then and then it goes okay. Let's really delve into there with the um, Cajun sort of witchcraft with with uh, yeah, yeah. the um, the Bill Nye is an octopus man. Mm. Bill Nye is an octopus man. <laughs> um, uh, and Stellan Skarsgård has crab claws that live on his face i don't i don't really know what's going on yeah that's uh uh, uh, orlando bloom's dad yes and then um i think in the fourth one it was about the fountain of youth so they're just taking another story and this one has introduced greek and roman mythology with poseidon's trident yeah um and so it sort of starts going well in this, this very sort of small section uh in number one where there's Cursed gold, which mm. you can kind of, I can kind of get behind. So this, this is broad array of ghosts are real and yeah. zombies are real yep. and um, mermaids and everything, mm. everything you've ever heard of is real. Yeah, it has extended and broadened the universe. I don't particularly like it that much, but at least they've up until now stayed within the consistent realms of the universe that they've created. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whereas, yeah, it's implied in this that the trident is the source of everything because. Uh, Orlando Bloom's curse is broken at the end. Yeah. So they destroy the trident, and as a result, Orlando Bloom's curse that he got from Pirates 3 is broken, so he's no longer the captain of, of Davy Jones's locker, and he's no longer ferrying... Ferrying? Uh, Taking souls to, yeah. the, to the next That's his life, job, to the right. afterlife. And he can yeah. only go on land every, every 20 years. Every 10 years I, or I so. I have no idea. It's 10 years. Um so the trident is meant to be behind a lot of these things, and so by destroying it, which they do, which they do, uh, have they, they? You would assume that means that the the magic of the pirates' universe is gone, and it, it well. maybe maybe that's why we don't have that same sort of level of magic nowadays. It's like mm. we've broken 
So the, the Tolkien thing, right, where magic used to exist and now and it's now waned it and that's yeah. why we have the modern world. You think that mm. until the post-credits post credit scene, credit scenes, where Orlando Bloom is in bed with uh, not with, discount Kieran Knightley, no, like full full price, genuine Kieran uh, Knightley, yeah. Um, and uh, he he has a dream and a monster comes in and it's got a crab claw and then yeah, he, so and then he wakes it, up. He's like, oh, it was all a dream. But then it pans down and there's some barnacles on the ground. It's like. Well, if you destroyed the trident, yep. why are crab monsters still around? It clearly said that it's the source of all the magic yep. of the oceans, yep. and you've destroyed it, and it's brought Orlando Bloom back. It yep. should probably have brought all of the other guys from the Flying Dutchman back. But yeah. oh, let's talk about that for a second as well. Uh, so, curse is broken. Uh, Javier Bardem's crew uh, gets turned back into humans back into instantly, humans. Uh, and then they all drown because they're underwater. Yeah, now, essentially. If I'm not mistaken, the Flying Dutchman spends also, most of its time underwater. So yeah. at some point, the crew of the Flying Dutchman is just chilling, hanging back, high-fiving sharks, just going, yep, another day, a couple more souls we've got to take care of. And then suddenly they all turn back to human, like yeah. meters no, and meters under the, under <laughs> the ocean. I think it, they, it, it happened. It just so happened that the curse was destroyed at the moment. They were on the surface. That, that oh, rare sign they on the surface. Sure. So that's, that's why it makes sense. Of course. Don't, don't delve into it too oh, deeply. I'm sorry. I'm so it makes sorry. Sense. I mean, how, how did I miss that? Um, but look, you know what I'm going to say in a, in a broader sense as well? Fuck post-credit sequences. Just, I'm, I'm done with them, okay? That kind of crap where they basically... Um, uh, the whole point of that film was erasing all the curses that exist and then right at the end just before you're about to shut the film off and get on with your life they then turn around and say but there's still curses yeah sequel I mean I also hate it for that reason and it's like the it's unnecessary they're usually irrelevant but also as a employee of the cinema when I, I used to work <laughs> there they're horrible because people won't leave yeah your job is to clean the yeah. aisles and the seats um during the credits to get it ready for the next mm. uh group coming through yeah but there's you know 10 20 30 people still sticking around for this 10 second sequence it's yeah. like i have a job to do please leave it's I've, not going to reveal anything i've had yeah it's samuel yeah. l jackson and he's like we found a hammer i don't know like I think, I think that was the end of iron man 2 maybe i don't yeah, know yeah it was it's well just... the thing is like the pirates films were the f- one of the first films to do that because pirates one has an end credit sequence it has no real bearing on anything aside from establishing that the monkey curses itself again Right, uh, but it's a throwaway kind of bit at the end of the film, and I guess the Matrix Reloaded had the trailer for Revolutions on the end of it as well. <sighs> um, that's a yeah, that's a, that's another podcast for sure. Um, but it's I I hate I just I can't stand them anymore. Like why why are you doing this? Why are you? The only reason they're doing it is because other people are doing it, and it's just like. It's to so Reddit Reddit sub forums can have stuff to talk about. To it's the JJ Abrams. Let's leave them with a hint of mystery so it can no. spark the imagination. But it doesn't do that anymore, no, and it's it just doesn't. Can you imagine if painful. like all the all the great films in the past that have had sequels, right? Imagine if The Godfather had a post credit sequence. You know like, what did have a post credit sequence is uh, Back to the Future Part Two. It did actually, and it was just the trailer for Back to the Future. It was just the 3. trailer. I'm, I'm I'm so surprised. I didn't realize they actually ran that. Oh, you're right. that uh, when probably, they released, but it's all it's also because they'd filmed that and it was pretty much ready to go. They filmed them back to back, and yeah. the the time between cinema releases for that it was like absurdly short. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, well, then that answers that whole question about uh, <laughs> where did the back to back filming thing come from? Uh, sorry, Back to the Future. Sorry, Zemeckis, you've ruined it you've again. Ru- it's. <laughs> 
Yeah, go do another Polar Express. Yeah, Polar Express 2. <laughs> this time it's also Under Siege 3, Polar Express 2. <laughs> That'd be great, actually. Yeah. C- CGI that. Tom Hanks yeah. trying to stop some sort of nefarious clandestine Ooh, uh, yeah. superpower from... I think I think Under Siege 2 was there's satellites that can shoot lasers <laughs> to destroy things, so... Isn't that Geostorm? That is also Geostorm. Yeah, okay. Which is, yeah. Well... I think we'll have to wrap think, up there. I think we I'm do. sorry there weren't as many jokes this week as there are in previous just... weeks. What we really need to do is choose a film that doesn't make us angry. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know. What do we? I, I mean, what the, we the option the option was either this or Transformers Last Night, and I really thought the the last night, not late last night. Um, I really thought Transformers was going to be a much worse film, and there's a chance that it is. Yep. But I thought. It would be a much worse viewing experience <laughs> than having to watch Pirates because I had... And then, again, that's my own fault for getting my expectations up. Yeah. So. I Look, I have a feeling that I'm going to be as angry at Transformers. Well, actually, maybe not because I don't care about Transformers at all. At yeah. the end of the day, as I said at the start of this podcast, I do like the Pirates film. I've always enjoyed them. Uh, I think that for the first three films, Gore Verbinski brought very much a, a, a sense of grandeur to the to the whole world. They're immaculately shot. Um, and there's a certain spark to them that was definitely lacking in four and is nowhere to be found <laughs> in five. Uh, I think that him not being on board for any of these films has really hurt them. Uh, and, and yeah, I... I you know, they're, they're films I enjoy just because they're fun to watch. Yeah. They're, they're beautifully made films. Um, and that's probably why I'm so angry at this one. Uh, Transformers has been terrible from the first one, yeah. and I don't care about them whatsoever. So sure, if I'm going to go see Marky Mark ham it up in front of a bunch of crappy CGI with uh, an insane amount of cutting and and Michael Bay's fixation on uh, gleaming metal and hot ass, then fine. Yeah, Let, let's. I mean, the, the other choices are things like Spider Man Homecoming or Wonder Woman. I think you saw Spider Man. I saw Ho- Spider Man Homecoming, and I've Homecoming, seen Wonder Woman, and I haven't seen Wonder Woman. Uh maybe, maybe want me white do one of those. <laughs> a let's bit do. Of a- let's do Wonder Woman because, um, I I haven't liked any of the DC films that have come out. Right. Okay. Uh, under what's his name? Um, who's directing them? The guy. I couldn't I tell you his name now. A famous dude who did 300... Oh, Schneider. Schneider. Zack Schneider. 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 I was going to call him Wesley Schneider, but <laughs> he's a, I think he's a Dutch international footballer, <laughs> so probably not the same guy. No, no, probably not. Uh, but yeah, I've not liked any of them. I've, I've They've just felt just nothing but spectacle and no yeah. substance whatsoever. So I want to see if Wonder Woman sort of lives up to what everyone has been saying about it. I don't think it will, but... All right. I, I mean, I suppose... Or there's we, we could start a tradition where we talk about the films we're going to watch net, and next week and then them. don't watch them at all. Um, we'll see. We'll see if we well, get around to... Well, in that case, to... can I then, if we're going to do that, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, <laughs> we're definitely going to watch next week. Although we've got a, we've got a bet going on for... Yeah, we do. I How's that bet going? Let's, I... let's have a bet watch. <laughs> bet um, watch. Is there a new film in the Dark Universe yet? Uh, oh, there hasn't been one released. Great. Although, I'm on my I, way. although I might argue that uh, this Pirates of the Caribbean film and all Pirates of the Caribbean oh. film could potentially be in the dark universe. <laughs> no, no. Um, all right. Uh, so I also wanted to discuss our sign off. I think we've just said, said like, oh, so, till see you next time. Yeah, but I'd like, like I'd that. like a phrase or something like that that we can sign off with <laughs> each week oh, okay. that we can just leave the audience with. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna try one out. Sure. If it works, yep. we'll just leave it. Yep. 
if it doesn't work, then uh, you can stop me and we can try and come up with a new one. If this podcast suddenly ends without uh, you hearing whatever this is going to be, you know that All right. it was crap. All right. Okay. So you've been uh, listening to Movie Film Studios. Yes, you have. I've been Isaac. And I've been AJ. Roll credits. March winds and April showers.